I think the word that I just used before is audacious. It's an audacious crime. The drive-through destruction caught on camera. Tonight, what police are saying about this video and the details behind one of the GTA's most bizarre burglaries. Good evening. We'll bring you that story shortly, but we begin with an update to a troubling situation we first told you about at this time last night. There is new information surrounding the case of an injured infant discovered inside a Markham hotel. CTV's Andrew Brennan is in Markham tonight with these latest developments. Andrew. Well, Raheem, what we can tell you now is confirming from police that this was a two-month-old baby boy, and they're also confirming tonight what his 61-year-old relative faces in terms of charges. Attempted murder of a two-month-old boy. That's what a 61-year-old man from China is now charged with. Police say they are related, but won't say exactly how. We can never identify victims of crimes, um, even in a case where, you know, we have a little, a, a little baby boy as the victim. Uh, we also have witnesses involved that, um, you know, we believe may potentially be family members. And it was one of them, police say, that called 911 Tuesday afternoon from inside the Markham Hotel room. A guest on the fourth floor says they heard yelling and banging from down the hall. Paul Simone was staying on the ground floor. He says he saw police in the lobby interviewing a woman through an interpreter distraught and shaking. She was, you could almost see her vibrating, right? So what have you been seeing today? Nothing, just there was a cop here earlier. You know, place has been quiet. The Monte Carlo Inn is back to its usual bustle. The restaurant is popular for lunch with locals. Guests say the police were quick to give the all clear. We are very safe. Like they, they told us, like the suspect, like he was arrested, and there's no, uh, like, uh, any threat to the public safety. But for an infant meant to be safe and protected in the arms of family, questions remain: how and why he was hurt so violently, allegedly by one of the closest people he has in the world. Now. What police are asking is because this happened around 2 p.m. just after the lunch hour, there could have been plenty of people coming to have food, that there may be more people that haven't come forward to reach out via Crime Stoppers or call York Regional Police. Now, as for this two-month-old baby boy, his injuries were described as serious, and he remains in critical condition. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Raheem, we'll send it back to you inside. Thank you, Andrew. Another story gripping the region tonight. The overnight mayhem caused inside a Vaughn Mall. Police say the driver was looking to steal goods from an electronics store, and the smash and swerve was all captured on video. Here's CTV's Janice Golding. No one was entering Vaughn Mills through entrance six today as the mall dealt with the aftermath of a brazen break and enter. It's uh an audacious crime. York Regional Police released dramatic security video today that shows a 2011 black Audi A4 with a Quebec license plate smash right through the mall's entrance as the driver calmly navigates the hallways. And made their way to an electronics store where they broke into the store and then proceeded to take a quantity of electronic devices. Police say two suspects returned to the car with their stolen goods and then fled. Surveillance video showing them driving away through entrance one on the opposite side of the mall. I've never heard of this in my entire life, so it's definitely a one of a kind. Why didn't they just go to a store, shatter the glass and, and do their thing? But to drive through an actual mall, I don't understand. Honestly, it's very surprising. Um, I've never seen that before. Now this map shows you the route the thieves took. 
They entered the mall via entrance six, proceeded this way before making a stop, according to mall staff, at the source. They returned to the car and then exited the mall via entrance one. To see the way that uh, some people, the criminal element, are going about doing what they're doing, it is outrageous, and we need every, every hand on deck to try to fix it. After releasing this video of the car and a license plate number late this afternoon, York Regional Police told CTV News they'd located the vehicle used in the incident and are now examining it for evidence. Janice Golding, CTV News. And you can watch that full video of the Vaughn Mills Mall robbery. Just head to our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca, and follow the links. Grocery shopping is about to get more expensive. Prices for some popular products are going up adding yet another expense during tough economic times. A live look high above our, from our CTV News Chopper tonight. We're over Earl Bales, where skiers and snowboarders are braving some very cold temperatures tonight. Hopefully they're all bundled up. Let's bring in Lindsay Morrison with a look at the current conditions. So nice to see people skiing, but wow. It's cold now, and it still hasn't been the coldest it's going to be this week. Oh, it's only going to get colder, Michelle. Technically, starting tonight and over the next 24 hours, we have a little bit of a break. We're seasonal, but our coldest air of the season is headed our way. It's currently minus 6 degrees in Toronto, feeling like minus 13. Your evening forecast looks like this. The wind chill not as much of a factor through tonight, but by about this time tomorrow, very different story. It's still snowing for areas to the east of Georgian Bay, looking at you in Port... Perry Sound, as well as Port Carling. Uh, there remain some weather advisories in effect, including a snow squall warning. Up to 20 centimeters of snow is possible there by about tonight or tomorrow. And then we have this Arctic cold front swinging through. It's going to bring us a little bit of snow tomorrow afternoon and evening. And then behind it, the very bitterly cold air is set to arrive. A full look at your weather forecast is coming up. For now, though, Raheem, over to you. Thanks, Lindsay. The Ontario NDP has sent new information to the province's Integrity Commissioner regarding its investigation into the Conservatives' controversial plan to develop the Green Belt. Information you saw here on CTV News in December. Three days before the Green Belt plan was announced, a land developer verbally committed to a local mayor that protected Green Belt lands could be used for a nominal fee. To make matters worse... The protected land was purchased just over one month before the government had announced their plan. The land in question is the potential site for a health care centre in King Township. As CTV News reported in December, officials with the township were informed in November that the landowner was willing to provide the land in question for a nominal fee, days before the province had announced changes to the Greenbelt. Merritt Stiles says she submitted the new information to the Integrity Commissioner on Friday. This morning, she told reporters that the evidence tells her someone knew something about the government's plan before it was made public. I would say that the timing of all of this, with regard to the, the Premier making his decisions and a number of other steps, things that happened, land sales that took place uh, in advance of, the decision, of this decision being made public, all seem to indicate that somebody knew something uh, before they should have. In a statement to CTV News, the province's Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing says in part, no one from the province was present at this alleged meeting, nor was anyone notified prior to the decision that their lands would be removed from the Greenbelt. The countdown is on ahead of next week's health care funding talks between Ottawa and the provinces. Premier Doug Ford says the conditions are right for an agreement to be reached. 
let's uh, do the best for the people that you represent. And it's going to be very collaborative. We're going to work well together. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, strike a deal sooner than later. Ford says negotiations shouldn't drag on as health care systems remain under pressure. Now, the premier was speaking in Brampton, announcing new ways to book and carry out appointments with Service Ontario. For details on what that means for health cards, driver's licenses and marriage certificates, head to our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. In Ottawa, the opposition is turning up the heat on the Liberals over federal contracts awarded to consulting firms. And there's $15 billion a year in federal contracts by the Trudeau government to high-priced consultants. That's $1,000 for every single family in Canada. And one of the biggest winners, Justin Trudeau's friends over at McKinsey. His personal friend, Dominic Barton, the former director of McKinsey, will be testifying because Conservatives launched an investigation into the more than $100 million of contracts that some public servants have said was for work that was of little or no value. We are following up on uh, how those contracts were uh, chosen, allocated and, uh, and fulfilled. Today, the NDP called on a House of Commons committee to expand its probe beyond just McKinsey and Company. The New Democrats wanted to include other consulting firms. The mayor has just under two weeks to win over council on his $16 billion budget. To the city clerk, and tonight the final road begins toward John Tory's toughest budget yet. CTV's Natalie Johnson joins us now from outside City Hall with more. Natalie. Hi, Michelle. This is the first budget that John Tory has presided over with his new strong mayor powers, giving him even more control over how the city balances the books. But he says the current fiscal framework is unsustainable, and it will soon be time to reassess whether the city should be implementing new taxes or tolls. Toronto has been skating by for years now, every winter trying to balance the budget without imposing new taxes. I think the city's costing us too much money as it is. We're maxed out. I think that, you know, we already pay so much as it is. But the mayor says pandemic pressures have pushed the budget to the brink. And it's time to take a look at what new taxes or tolls might improve the fiscal framework moving forward so he's not always asking other governments for help. It is like Groundhog Day which I guess is tomorrow. But it's like Groundhog Day. You just go on and on and on. Because every year the budget battle is the same. This was six years ago. It is time that we stop being treated and I stop being treated as a little boy going up to Queen's Park in short pants. We cannot maintain a city of our stature uh, on primarily on property taxes. It just doesn't work. The budget chief says new revenue tools are the realistic approach. Toronto previously cut the car tax and then later tried but failed to implement road tolls. And Another option could be a municipal sales tax. But a commercial parking levy has the support of some councillors and it's expected council could start considering it as soon as next week. Any new revenue tools wouldn't be available anytime soon and wouldn't help bridge the gap for this year's budget. The mayor did say today though that he has found six million dollars in savings for 2023 that can be redistributed to other city services. I'm glad he found six million dollars in a very very tight budget in the most difficult budget year since amalgamation. It's not much. There are so many competing demands. Six million dollars is not a mind to play with, no. But, you know, we could actually try to use that, you know, in a constructive way. 
Councillors have suggested using the cash to fund more outreach and mental health workers. Tory stressed today that he would not be cutting back the police budget and says it's time for other levels of government to step up. What's increasingly happened is that we've been relied upon to deliver those services without any funding help whatsoever in areas where actually those other governments have responsibility. But for now, the fiscal framework hasn't changed and Toronto will need a lot more than $6 million to balance the books. And so the mayor is urging the federal government to help cover the costs of the pandemic. The budget goes to council for final approval on Valentine's Day. And under the mayor's new strong powers, he only needs one-third of votes or eight councillors to pass it. Reporting live, I'm Natalie Johnson. Michelle, over to you. Thank you, Natalie. Toronto police are sharing the results of another major drug bust in the city. Investigators carried out 15 search warrants, including at seven residences. They seized nearly 390 kilograms of crystal meth and other drugs believed to have come from Mexico. The estimated street value in this case is $32 million. Police also seized four firearms, seven vehicles and over half a million dollars in cash. Four suspects face a combined 49 charges, most of them for drug trafficking. And with concerns around safety on transit, top of mind for many commuters, Metrolinx is launching a new service. The program will offer another way for Go Transit riders to report safety or security issues. People will be able to text the word HELP to the number 77777. That's five sevens. And the Customer Protective Services team should reply within 90 seconds. They'll then be able to dispatch support or local police to respond to whatever is going on. In Memphis, family and friends gathered today to say goodbye to Tyree Nichols. We have come into this place locked in solidarity across the nation and world to celebrate the life of Tyree Nichols. A good person, a beautiful soul, a son, a father, a brother, a friend. The 29-year-old was remembered with emotional tributes and songs of faith during a celebration of his life. There were also calls for police reform. Nichols died last month from injuries sustained when beaten by officers who pulled him over while he was driving home. If you buy the groceries for your family, you may want to sit down. Loblaws says it will begin raising prices again for its no-name brand products, triggering concern for many that food bills are about to go way up. CTV's Allison Hurst joins us now with more on that concern. Allison. We've been speaking with customers all day, and a lot of them were saying as those bills are piling up, they would have liked to have seen this price freeze remain. But according to analysts, it's exactly what they expected, and customers will likely see incremental increases over the next few weeks. Covering that grocery bill may mean rolling out a bit more dough. As of now, the price freeze for 1,500 Loblaws no-name products is over, leading to expectations the cost will go up just as families are feeling financially strained. They're crazy high, crazy high, something I've never seen them that high before. Ashley Brown is a mother of two and says her grocery bill has jumped significantly. I'm getting the same amount, but I'm paying an extra 100 bucks. Like, it's, it's crazy. Loblaws announced its price freeze in the fall. But many analysts say there was no surprise it would eventually come to an end. Suppliers have actually notified grocers months ago that uh, it, prices would increase in February. So it's, it's not necessarily a surprise. The industry is now facing pressure from all sides, including a parliamentary committee investigating food price inflation and a competition bureau probe. 
all as Canada's grocery giants cash in on profits. Grocers are making, make, are making more money selling lipstick, prescription drugs and clothing. Food sales are up 6.8% at Loblaws when the inflation rate is over 10%. Regardless, the end of the price freeze is pushing some customers to the boiling point. They should have kept it going, especially with no-name brands. You know, that's what a lot of people rely on. Like, that's what the mass relies on. Like, rely on. That's what I rely on. Everything's just getting more, getting more expensive. Everybody's passing it on to the consumer. The consumer also has only a limited pie, and you can only slice that pie in so many slices. Online backlash has also been swift, prompting Loblaws to tweet responses, saying it's a global problem and blaming manufacturers. But that's little comfort for families like Browns. On top of, you know, getting the calls from the bank about how much we owe on our mortgage and it's going up, couple that with another hundred bucks. I Do I have a hundred bucks to throw on my grocery bill? Not right now. I don't. Especially when it seems everyone is taking a bite out of the bottom line. No, perhaps a bit of a silver lining with all of this is while we are expecting those prices to rise this month, analysts say we could see more deals in the spring. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Allison. Coming up, fed up with the surge in car thefts, Brampton's mayor aims to offer thousands of residents a free solution to keep cars out of thieves' hands. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, do you have a home in Toronto? If you do, tomorrow is the deadline to fill out a tax form declaring whether your home is lived in or vacant. So far, more than 150,000 people haven't filled out the form, meaning they could be fined. I'll have what you need to know. That's just ahead. Of course, we can't forget that tomorrow is Groundhog Day. And if there's a shadow, six more weeks of winter, no shadow, early spring. All eyes, of course, will be on Wyerton Willie at around 8 a.m. We're looking at some snow and some cloud cover, which could make things interesting. One thing we know for sure, we're in for our coldest winter weather of the season so far, starting tomorrow night. A full look at your forecast is coming up. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. The City of Toronto is bringing in a new vacancy tax, which has a goal to discourage property owners from leaving homes unoccupied. Residents have to fill out a new tax form declaring the status of their property. Now, the deadline is tomorrow, and not filling it out could cost you. Pat Foran's here with those details. Pat. Raheem, Michelle, uh, there are still more than 150,000 people in Toronto who have not filled out the new tax forms. And if they don't buy tomorrow, they could be fined $250. The city now says it won't fine you if you're late, but it will if you don't fill it out. The goal of Toronto's new vacancy tax is to increase the supply of housing by discouraging homes from sitting empty. All property owners must declare the status of their residence each year. If a home is declared vacant, the tax is 1% of the property's value. On a million-dollar home, the tax would be $10,000. Let's remember, the vast majority of people will not pay this new tax. Mayor John Tory defended the tax, which could generate an estimated $60 million per year. The whole idea is not to collect tax money. The idea is to have those units made available in the housing market for rental by others. The city sent out 820,000 tax forms. 81% of residents have filled out the forms, but 19% have not. The 155,000 people who haven't could be fined $250. It came uh, into effect very quickly. Royal LePage says while the new tax is the right move to help free up housing units, there is a concern homeowners could be unnecessarily fined. They are unilaterally going to be cutting fines for whoever hasn't filed. So tomorrow, 
uh, $250 is going to be implemented to tens of thousands of people in the city. Toronto's Director of Revenue says while the deadline to submit the tax form is tomorrow, it doesn't mean people who file late will be fined. There are no immediate fines that are resulting from a late declaration. There are fines that could be levied if you fail to make a declaration at all. And if you don't submit the form, the city says there will be reminder notices sent before you would be fined or taxed. They will get a personalized letter notifying them that the deadline has passed, encouraging them to make that declaration. The fastest and easiest way to make a declaration is through the vacant home tax portal on the City of Toronto's website. And if you own property in Toronto and haven't filled out the tax form, you may want to do it tonight. You may also want to warn friends and family who may not know they have to do this, and it has to be done every year. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. The city of Brampton is taking the wheel to combat car thefts, which has been a rise across the Peel region. Mayor Patrick Brown is launching a program he says will keep thousands of drivers safe from thieves. CTV's Sean Lethong explains. With car theft skyrocketing, the mayor of Brampton is proposing a simple solution. A Faraday bag, $6 item, uh, can prevent a $60,000 car being stolen in less than 60 seconds. Patrick Brown putting forward a motion today at Brampton City Council that would see Faraday bags distributed to parts of the city equipping residents with a tool to combat the increase in auto thefts. A common method for car theft is called a relay attack, where thieves use a device to remotely connect a key fob from inside a house to a vehicle that's sitting in the driveway. The vehicle thinks that the owner's key fob is nearby, and the key fob thinks the, the vehicle is nearby. Placing a key fob inside a Faraday bag stops the fob's signal entirely. Faraday bags are one of the uh, simplest and lowest cost approaches to provide some defense against relay attacks. Over the past five years, car thefts in Peel region have jumped from just over 2,500 in 2019 to over 5,400 last year. I got 10 councillors in Brampton. Three of them have had their cars stolen. Brown's motion is calling to send Faraday bags to every home in the five neighborhoods most affected by auto thefts. If the program is successful, Mayor Patrick Brown says they will roll it out to more neighborhoods, but it's not meant to be a permanent solution. I have to try something. This is outside of the box and, uh, and it works um, until we get the more lasting change we need on a national level. Brown says that Canada has to secure its ports and make changes to the judicial system for long-term change. The motion passed with unanimous support today and is expected to be confirmed on February 8th. Sean Lethong, CTV News. A series of violent and often random attacks continue to grip city streets with one of the most recent now turning fatal. The victim has been identified as a longtime former Toronto radio journalist who was assaulted on the Danforth during broad daylight. CTV's Beth McDonnell reports. At the East End pub, Michael Finley socialized. Friends are shocked and saddened. They say the longtime CBC journalist who retired in 2010 had traveled the world. The fatal attack happening while he was getting groceries. Finley's alleged assailant taking off, captured in security images. Devastated because, first of all, he was a friend. So it's a human I actually knew. 
And uh, he'd been such an important part of my professional life. Frank Collar is a former correspondent who worked with Finley for 20 years. He describes him as a little cranky, fun to be around, and a stickler who loved the English language. He was a complicated man, but the bottom line is that he made your journalism better. The public broadcaster says it confirmed Finley's death with his family, that he died of medical complications following an alleged random assault. We are deeply saddened by this tragic news and are sending our heartfelt sympathies to Michael's family and friends, it said in a statement. Michael will be remembered as an exceptional storyteller, documentary maker and editor. If you worked on a documentary with Michael, you were experiencing the pinnacle of the craft. Toronto police say Finley was walking here along Danforth Avenue near Jones Avenue when he was assaulted on January 24th around 3.30 in the afternoon. He fell to the ground and was seriously injured. Sadly, this is one of several recent and similar attacks happening in the city. In November, a female suspect pushed a 62-year-old woman walking on Danforth near Coxwell to the ground and left her with life-altering injuries. And on January 20th, 89-year-old Zhou Shawang died after she was pushed to the ground on Young near King. A 37-year-old man has been charged with manslaughter. Mayor John Tory says money is being directed to police and programs to address the root causes of the violence. Any morning I wake up and hear of anything of this kind happening to any person in Toronto, I feel a sense of resp personal responsibility for making sure that we do all the things we can possibly do, knowing there is no magic solution, uh, to have safer streets and to have a safer transit system. Back at the pub, friends hope the suspect is identified and caught, so he's off the street. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. A large stretch of the southern U.S. remains in the grip of a dangerous storm. Sleet and snow fell on a large swath of the region for a third day. It made already treacherous driving conditions worse. At least six people have died in traffic accidents this Monday. Watches and warnings were issued for an area stretching from West Texas through Oklahoma and over to Tennessee. The storm has left thousands of customers without power and more than 2,200 additional flights were grounded today. We don't have an ice storm to contend mm -hmm. with. Our weather woes right now relate to the cold and the potential for frostbite. I'm really hoping Wyerton Willie does not see his shadow <laughs> tomorrow after days like today. And, and I mean, really, yeah. we can't even complain all that much because no. generally speaking, we've had a mild winter. But no question, this is going to be our coldest snap of the season so far. And by the time we reach uh, Friday overnight into Saturday, we are talking dangerous wind chills, maybe to about minus 30 in and around the GTA. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. We begin your forecast with a look at the extreme cold warnings that are, are in place across our country. We're talking six different provinces, all three territories, and now an extreme cold warning co covering almost all of southern Quebec, including Quebec City and Montreal, where it is going to be bitterly cold, especially as we make our way into the day on Friday. Right now in Baker Lake, the wind chill is almost minus 60. So that should give you an idea just how cold it is in northern parts of Canada, and that cold air is headed our way. Tonight, our forecast low is minus 9, wind chill minus 15. Of course, that's still cold, but it's pretty typical for this time of year. And waking up tomorrow morning, again, I'm not going to call this comfortable, but we are expecting a mix of sun and cloud by the time the sun rises. And about 24 hours after this, it will be significantly colder than that. Daytime high for tomorrow, minus 1. 
don't get used to it because we have a vigorous cold front that's going to swing through, bring us some snow, and then bring us some plunging temperatures on the backside. So here's a look at the forecast radar. A heads up for tomorrow afternoon and into the evening, perhaps a burst of snow. It's going to be short-lived. Behind that, the Arctic invasion happens. We will have very strong winds out of the northwest. A little bit of lake effect snow going to be possible off of Lake Huron as well as Georgian Bay. So some areas like Barrie, for example, could pick up about 10 centimeters of snow by the time we reach the weekend. Here in Toronto, it's maybe a trace to two centimeters. But again, the bigger story is just how cold it's going to be behind that cold front. What are we talking about here? Well, here's a look. There's Friday morning feeling into the minus 30s around the GTA. Look at Ottawa and Quebec feeling like minus 40. That cold air makes its way into Atlantic Canada for the weekend. We are still going to be quite frigid as we wake up on Saturday morning, but then improvements are going to start from there. We get some relief from the extreme cold. You can see it retracts as we make our way into Sunday. In fact, on Sunday, our daytime high is expected to be above freezing. Here's a seven-day forecast. We go from minus one at the warmest point tomorrow to minus 20 overnight. If we fall to minus 22 degrees overnight Friday into Saturday, it will be the first time we have slipped below minus 22 since 2019. Flurries, lake effect flurries forecast over the weekend. And look at that. By next Tuesday, our temperature is expected to be around four degrees with some light rain. So this cold snap it's brutal but it's relatively short-lived Raheem thanks Lindsay also tonight one of the biggest names in music is making a stop in Toronto on a world tour just ahead when Beyonce plans to be in the six A new report from the Heart and Stroke Foundation says systemic issues are putting women's health at risk Time is a huge factor in how, um, you know, the interventions that can be done and what their outcomes are. So we want women to be aware of the kinds of symptoms that may be indicative of heart disease and stroke and then get to the hospital, call EMS. The report suggests there are significant gaps in research and care in women's heart and brain health care, and those gaps disproportionately affect racialized and Indigenous women. Findings also show women are forced to navigate a health care system designed for men, and women who have a heart attack are less likely than men to receive the treatments and medications they need. Well, each year, the first week of February is dedicated to raise awareness about a health issue that is often overlooked but has a shockingly high mortality rate. Our health reporter Pauline Chan has this look at eating disorders and the complex problems that can arise in people who suffer from them. 32-year-old Destiny Bohemia's road to recovery has been a long one. It started when she was just six. And we would eat upstairs and I'd hide the food in my sleeves and then go downstairs to the play area and flush it down the toilet. She was raised in a broken home and started using drugs at age 11. I think that it was a way for me to just have something that... I could control and something that was mine. So there's a misconception that eating disorders are about vanity or about body image, but we understand that actually is often a coping strategy for other underlying conditions. Very often people have trauma, very often people have mood disorders. 
Destiny has been hospitalized more than 300 times for physical and mental illnesses. She's gone through 14 treatment centers. It was still just like eat, gain weight and go home. But it's not until she got complex care to deal with her substance abuse, eating disorder and underlying trauma that she began to get better. Dr. Callum Sutander says multi-level care is important because eating disorders have the highest mortality of any mental health disorder. It's because with eating disorders, there's the psychological component. And with that distress, it can lead to things like suicide, similar to depression, to other mood disorders, other psychiatric illnesses. But there's also the physical, medical complications. And it affects all their organ systems. If they're binging and purging, they can have low electrolytes, which can cause heart attacks. They can have a lot of GI issues. Destiny got treatment in Ontario, which has five centres that offer complex care. But many provinces don't have that. You can't make anybody recover. They have to want it for themselves. All you can do is love them, support them. And she says she knew she was on the right path when she went through the recent loss of her grandfather, whom she called her best friend in the world, without drawing on any of the unhealthy habits she used to have. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Ozzy Osbourne says he's no longer able to perform on the road. The 74-year-old rocker called off his European tour set for the spring, saying he can still sing, but his body can't handle the physical demands of travel. Osbourne is recovering from a spine injury four years ago and also has Parkinson's. He said in a statement, never would I have imagined that my touring days would have ended this way. My team is currently coming up with ideas for where I will be able to perform without having to travel from city to city and country to country. The Alvin Ailey Dance Theatre will kick off its 2023 tour on Friday. And joining the company is Vaughn's own Hannah Alyssa Richardson. CTV's Andrea Case joins us now. And you actually took Hannah back to where her dreams began. <laughs> I did, and I was so inspired by her. But really, folks, I am not a dancer. Now, some people are lucky enough to remember when they realized, when they knew what they wanted to do. And Richardson not only realized, but she made it happen. I was right over there, right in the center, up there. It's a long way from the Meridian stage to the seats way up there. And a surprisingly emotional return at that. This is crazy. <laughs> you going to be okay? I don't know. I think so. I hope so. Wow. For modern dancer Hannah Alyssa Richardson, it took 11 years. I'm just really trying to take it all in right now. Richardson first saw the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater on this very stage in 2012. I'm seeing dancers that look like me. I'm seeing dancers that are soulful, that are storytelling, um, just all well-rounded, beautiful dancers. And you said, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I didn't know that you can be a dancer as a professional. Now she's the only Canadian member of the New York-based company. Mr. Ailey used to say, he used to say dance is for everybody. He believed that dance should be brought from the people and should be delivered back to the people. And that's what I'm here doing today. I want to deliver dance back to the audience. I want to deliver dance back to everyone on the streets, everyone um, in the audience, everyone just everyone in the world. In 1958, Alvin Ailey founded his American Dance Theater to enrich the American modern dance and preserve the uniqueness of the African-American cultural experience. Alvin Ailey's legacy is extremely important. His, what he brought to the dancing community and to the dance 
to, to the world, it means so, so much. He opened up pathways for dancers like me to dive into. The 24-year-old started dancing at the age of three. Her mom is from the Philippines, her dad from Trinidad. I think they both think that I got the dancing from them, so it depends on who you ask, but definitely my parents. They enrolled me at such a young age, and I'm doing it to this day. I met her parents today. They are lovely. As you can imagine, there'll be a lot of friends and family in the audience at the Meridian Center this weekend. Her parents bought 50 tickets, but there's still a few more if you're interested in attending. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Andrea. <laughs> Beyonce has announced her first solo world tour since 2016. The Renaissance Tour will see the singer perform at least two shows in Canada, one in Vancouver and one here in Toronto on July 8th. There are reports she may add a second night in the city. No word yet on when tickets will go on sale, but they are expected to go fast. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break from the bottom of the city to the top, changes in the air as Porter takes off from Pearson for the first time. Serving up soul food. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast, celebrity chef Noel Cunningham shares secrets to his favorite Jamaican recipes. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. Work in this mall. There's going to be cleaners, there's going to be security personnel, and so we're just fortunate that nobody was hurt, that it's uh, property damage only. Updating our top stories police have recovered a stolen vehicle up after it was used to smash through the doors at Vaughn Mills Mall early this morning. Surveillance video captured the car driving through the hallways, but not the moments the occupants allegedly broke into an electronics store. We can never identify victims of crimes, um, even in a case where, you know, we have a little, a, a little baby boy as the victim. Uh, we also have witnesses involved that, um, you know, we believe may potentially be family members. So there's a lot of other things connected to that. A 61-year-old man from China has been charged with attempted murder after a two-month-old baby was critically injured at a Markham Hotel yesterday. Police say the accused and baby are related but did not specify how. It underlines, I can tell you, my own determination to try and do better when it comes to safe streets and the resources uh, addressed to, to community safety. The mayor says he remains committed to improving safety on city streets following the death of a longtime CBC radio producer who was injured in a random attack. Michael Finley died on Tuesday due to medical complications after he was assaulted near Danforth and Jones Avenues on January 24th. Police continue to search for the suspect. On the markets, the loonie rose eight basis points to 75.24 U.S. American oil slid $2.46 a barrel to 76.41. And the TSX lost 16 points to close at 20,751. Travelers looking to fly out of Pearson Airport will now have the option to book a flight with Porter Airlines. The company exclusively flew out of Billy Bishop Airport for over a decade, but has now expanded its routes. CTV's Mike Walker explains. Once again, this is a final boarding call for Porter Flight 105. It's a milestone for Porter Airlines as passengers board its inaugural flights out of Pearson International Airport. With a new fleet of jets taking off this morning destined for Ottawa and Montreal. So Billy Bishop is inherently limited in the destinations it can serve. And Porter was long asked by its customers to offer more. 
This signals a big change for the airline that has flown exclusively out of Toronto's Billy Bishop Airport for the past 16 years. Flying out of Pearson's Terminal 3, there are four daily return flights to Ottawa and Montreal. Later this month, routes to Calgary, Edmonton, Halifax and Vancouver will be added. For travellers, it means more choice. Porter, they wanted to get into uh, jet aircraft, which re require longer runway. We can obviously accommodate that here. Now competing on a new stage against other major Canadian airlines, President and CEO Michael Deleuze says Porter's focus is on elevating economy air travel. Represents 90% of people who fly, and yet over the last two decades, airlines have chipped away at that experience to the point where there's great dissatisfaction with economy air travel. Porter is going to change that. The airline has purchased 100 of these Embraer jets that can carry 132 passengers and have two-by-two two configuration, meaning no middle seats. So these are the most state-of-the-art narrow-body aircraft, highly uh, fuel-efficient, the quietest aircraft on the uh, uh, market. Porter plans to eventually fly from Pearson to destinations across the U.S., Mexico and the Caribbean. It's great to always have more competition in the airline industry. It gives passengers more flight timings. It gives more choice. Having more options, but also the, the value uh, in terms of the, the price of, of the fare. Porter will continue regional flights from Billy Bishop Airport. The airline has hired 1,000 additional employees as part of this initial expansion. Porter expects that 50 of its new jets will be delivered over the next two years, and in the near future, more destinations will be announced. Mike Walker, CTV News. He leaves with seven Super Bowl rings and a long list of other records. Tom Brady is retiring. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. The athlete many believe to be the greatest quarterback to ever play the game is calling it a career at the age of 45. Brady briefly retired one year ago today before returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but this time he insists it's for good. Here at home, the Leafs host Boston tonight, their final game before a lengthy break. Toronto will be off until February 10th when they play in Columbus. The Buds' time off is due to their bye week, which begins tomorrow. The NHL All-Star Game is also this weekend. Meanwhile, the Raptors tip off against the Jazz in Utah tonight. Toronto is in the midst of a seven-game road trip. They're 2-2 two two so far. Forward OG Ananobi is out with a sprained wrist. Just ahead, the legacy of Chloe Cooley. As Canada Post honors her place in history, we delve into her incredible story. In honor of Black History Month, Canada Post is recognizing the legacy of a fearless woman whose actions helped end slavery. Chloe Cooley fought her own enslavement, and as CTV's John Musselman reports, she left a profound impact in Canadian history. I don't care what the law is. I will never be a slave. Her name was Chloe Cooley, an enslaved black woman in the late 1700s who lived in Upper Canada near present-day Niagara-on-the-Lake. Her determination and acts of resistance helped change this country forever. Rochelle Bush is a public historian in the Niagara region. She was a fearless woman, and her act of resistance led to the gradual emancipation of people of African descent. Through her experience that we almost saw the end of slavery in this in the place we now call Canada. But unfortunately, so many people were already involved in the slave trade in this country, they were unwilling 
to let go of their, their, their property. One of those people was Sergeant Adam Vrooman, Cooley's enslaver. He forced her on a boat that led across the Niagara River to the United States where she was sold. The incident recreated in this Heritage Minute film. Cooley's screams for help were later reported to Upper Canada's First Lieutenant Governor, John Gray Simcoe. Simcoe used testimony about Cooley's attack to introduce new legislation. In July 1793, the Act to Limit Slavery in Upper Canada was passed. Sarah Kaufman is the curator at the Niagara-on-the-Lake Museum. It's a huge significance. It's the first time in British North America that uh, an act of this kind is passed, essentially uh, the start of anti-slavery. It would take another 40 years before slavery was abolished in Upper Canada in 1834. Rosemary Sadler is a writer, researcher and the past president of the Ontario Black History Society. She was also on the Canada Post Advisory Committee proposing a stamp to honour Cooley. It lets us know that there was slavery on the lands that we now call Canada. It lets us know that there was a black history of enslavement that lasted for almost 200 years on the lands that we now call Canada. And it lets us know that among other global powers, the British and therefore Canada was among the first to change that. No photographs of Cooley exist. Instead, the stamp was designed through consultation with historical experts using paintings and illustrations from that time period. I think it's absolutely, it's excellent. Um, the stamp does her justice. Cooley's legacy lives on more than 230 years later. An exhibit on her life will be held at the Niagara-on-the-Lake Museum this summer. John Musselman, CTV News. Well, into the month of February we go, and not only is the cold something we have to contend with, but there are some flurries too coming. Yeah, so about this time tomorrow, we're going to be dealing with some snow, and I know we've been talking a lot about the cold weather. We want to give people a proper warning about that, but it is also a possibility that as this Arctic cold front swings through tomorrow afternoon and into the early part of the evening, we could be dealing with a burst of flurries here in the GTA, not amounting to a whole lot, but of course, just in time for the evening commute. Let's take a look at where it's snowing right now, and it continues to snow for communities to the east of Georgian Bay, parts of Cottage Country. Perry Sound, Rosso, you remain under a snow squall warning, and this is with accumulating snow possible into the day tomorrow. Some of the other communities that you see here, Gravenhurst, Huntsville, Port Carling, it's likely that the snow is going to taper off a little bit later tonight tomorrow. So during the daytime hours, we have a seasonal high of minus one. That might feel warm compared to the last couple of days. Do not get too used to it because as that Arctic front moves in, the temperature is going to uh, suddenly slide into the minus teens, perhaps overnight into the minus 20s. And then our coldest period still looks to be Friday during the day, Friday at night, and into the early part of Saturday with some improvements expected by Saturday afternoon. We're up above the freezing mark on Sunday and warm still as we make our way through the early part of next week. But of course, keep warm everyone in the short range. Mm. Michelle and Raheem. Thank you, Lindsay. Appreciate the heads up. And that's it for us, but be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast. That's at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage co continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.